Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down their stone wall. Hear, O God, we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own head and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Astrodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set our God as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear, who bear the burdens are failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we'll not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came by all from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest part of the space behind the wall, in open spaces, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your sons, for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When the enemy heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the war, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and a half held the spears, shields, bows, and cords of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And on each of the builders had his own sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. 
in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, run it to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of the dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass a night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and by labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Amen. Father God, we are so thankful to you for who you are, Lord, even in our lives, in City Hill, Lord, and even in all that you've called us unto. Thank you, Lord, that you even took the initiative to find us. When we were busy doing our own thing, Lord, you found us. You initiated a call, and you called us even to become yours. You gave us names, and you changed us. Lord, when we were even busy living our own lives, you decided to place in us your spirit. For a reason, Lord, that you will go reconcile us and every other thing unto yourself. This morning, Father God, even as we look at Nehemiah and look at what you used this man to do, it is my prayer, Lord God, that you will strengthen us. Lord, that you will build even through us. For you are a builder, Lord. We know you are still building. And you are building all things unto yourself. Therefore, Lord, may you build whatever seems to be broken this morning. Whatever seems to be crumbling, I ask that by your Spirit, may you come to build this morning even through this church. Build, Lord, raise Nehemiahs out of this meeting, I ask. Raise men and women, Lord, who go out looking at the walls of our city, looking at the gates even of our time and say, Lord, we want to arise and we want to build. This is our prayer this morning. And we ask that you will come and do it, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you what Nehemiah saw the last time we were treating, even chapter 2, when Fuzi led us on the subject, praying and then inspection. I want to just share with you briefly the vision that Nehemiah saw in chapter 2, verses 13. And I went out by night by the gates of the valley, even before the dragon world, and to the dung ports, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Now, this was after Nehemiah had heard a report from his brethren about the situation in Jerusalem. When he arrived home in the night, when he traveled, he saw something I called a vision that God gave to Nehemiah. He heard it, but this time around, he saw it for himself. He saw that the walls were broken and the gates were consumed with fire. That was the vision Nehemiah got actually on the night when he walked through that whole city in Jerusalem. And just like every other vision that God gives us, there's always opposition. Opposition will come on your way trying to fulfill the vision that God gives to you. But you know something? God used Nehemiah as an example to encourage us 
that in our journey to fulfill God's vision for our lives, when opposition does come, but opposition will surely come. When he comes, remember that there is a God who didn't fail Nehemiah, he didn't fail our fathers, and this God wouldn't fail you. And I know some of us are going through situations that now looks like there is so much opposition by the enemy rising against you. He's come in a form that looks to you like a flood. But you know what the prophet said? The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 59, when the enemy shall come like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Why? Because we serve a God who cares for his children. And the apostle John says that ye, little children, know that we are of God. Greater is the God that we serve who is in us than he that is of the world. And just like we sang this morning, we sing hallelujah in the middle of the storm. I want you to look at the opposition, look at the storms, look at what you are facing that seems to be coming against your life and tell it I will sing hallelujah. I will look at my God who has given me this vision and I will still continue to build. So this morning we want to look at Nehemiah and we want to look at what God did with this man on the subject rebuilding and then opposition. In Nehemiah's case, Nehemiah was involved in the building of physical walls and then gates, just as we saw. These were physical walls. We are not necessarily involved in building physical walls. If it's required, we will do that. We know some presidents want to build physical walls between their country and others. But that isn't what we are doing here, by the way. If required, we'll build walls. But I do believe that there are spiritual walls that God is calling us to look back onto. There are walls in our personal life that God is calling us to look at. Is the wall standing or are those walls crumbled? There are walls even within our family. There are walls within the city that God is speaking to you and me. Are those walls still standing or the walls have come down? Probably might be a war that God is asking about your home. Has probably television, internet influenced the home so much that the walls have come down and our kids have been influenced. The question is, are those walls still standing? For God's people, the call might be, are the walls of prayer still standing? Or have those walls collapsed? Or are the walls so weak that nothing else is standing to oppose anything? So God is calling us, church. It might be just a brick, a brick probably that needs to be put in place probably in the work of rebuilding the walls again. Or it might be a whole section of the wall that needs repair. But it is my prayer this morning that even as we listen to God and hear his word, every form that you need to repair, let's hear God and let's go back there and rebuild what he wants us to rebuild. I believe that this is where the rubber meets the road. In real life, we're looking at everything that God wants us even to rebuild, especially as his children. And as a church, our vision will find that in the process of we fulfilling what God wants us to do, there's going to be opposition. The enemy will not just sit quiet when souls are being saved. He will rise against us. He will rise against God's purposes and he will try to hinder what God has for his church. In chapter 4, 
Okay, that was just my introduction there. So let's go to chapter 4 of Nehemiah. We will look at opposition to the work of rebuilding. I want us to look at opposition from two fronts. Opposition that came from without and opposition that came from within. If I say opposition from without, I mean opposition that came from, the commu- came from outside people that were not within the Jewish community. Bible says that Sambalat could not just take it that the walls of Jerusalem were being built. He could not bear with it that someone had come to town who was interested in the welfare of the Jews. So what did he do? He decided even to attack the rebuilding of the wall. How did Sambalat actually attack this rebuilding? He came in a manner, let's look at it from verses 1 to 3, he came to attack this work by ridicule and then mockery. This is what he said. Sambalat mocked the people. He called them feeble Jews. He said, what do they think they are doing? Will these guys be able to sacrifice? He mocked them to the extent that he mocked even their plan and even their raw materials. He laughed at them. He ridiculed them. And he called them names. And as he went on, he just kept saying it. Just to stop the work. He could not bear it. He could not just take it as someone has come to town who was interested in the welfare of the Jews. And even as I meditated on this, I was looking at the scripture and I kept asking myself, how do you feel when you hear the church is being mocked? When people laugh at God's work, when people make a mockery of the body of Christ, how do you feel? When people look at the church, they look at the cross, they look at what God has called you and me for, and then they make fun of it. They laugh at the church. They laugh at the work of God. How do you feel? Remember that Jesus, on going to the cross, was mocked. The people laughed at him. The people told him that you said you would destroy this temple and build it in three days. If you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. They laughed at him. They made a mockery of him. And look at the thief. The thief who committed a crime and deserved the punishment for being there on the cross. This thief looked at Jesus and told him that, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Probably you've been mocked for trying to be a child of God. You've been laughed at. People have ridiculed you. They make you look like, where is your God? It is my prayer this morning that God give you a new grace this morning, a new spirit. May God strengthen you in your faith, in your walk with God where you are being laughed at and sometimes you feel like you want to hide being a Christian. God has called you for something and in standing for that, people are ridiculing you, people are laughing at you, people are calling you names and you feel like, I wouldn't do it again. And very often, when, what happens is that for most people, when it gets heated up, they just throw in the towel. I wouldn't take this anymore. I've had enough of this. I wouldn't continue anymore. And when mockery and ridicule didn't stop the work, next we saw Tobiah, the Ammonite, joins in. And this is what he said. Even a fox, he said a fox, when he jumps over this wall, he's going to break down the wall. He said you don't need the armies of Samaria. Just a fox will break down this wall. 
I believe that this is not a guilt thing, but I believe it's a challenge. God is calling us, challenging his bride again. The question is that, are you a mocker or do you ridicule the church? How do you take the church? How do you take God's purposes? How do you take God's mission? How do you take God's work? Does people who ridicule and laugh at the church, do you gravitate towards them? How do you feel when you hear people who laugh and want to oppose God's work? But I want us to also be very careful where we need to draw the line. The line between constructive criticism, advice which comes from godly men and women, to people just seeking their personal self-self-interest. I want us to draw the line. Because Solomon said that in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. Not just in the multitude, but in the counselors, there is safety. So godly counsel is not to be ignored. You better listen to it if it's coming from God's children. But when the enemy comes and his mission is to destroy what God has called you for, God's call for you at that workplace, for you to be the Nehemiah who will stand for truth, when you are being opposed, do you feel like, forget it, I wouldn't do it anymore. To stand for truth in the church, to declare what God has called us for, when, those, when you are standing for those things and having that hunger to see God being revealed, and then opposition starts coming. How do you feel? So ridicule, mockery didn't stop the work. The next thing they tried to do was threatening seven and eight. So ridicule and mockery didn't stop. Sambala, Tobiah, Geshem, and then we see the Ashodites, and then we see the Ammonites. All this group in the conspiracy attack now came against the work. So two men realized they couldn't stop it. So they now came in a conspiracy. The enemy will always look for a group because his recruitment list is always not full. He recruits people for a mission. That mission is to just destroy. But when he comes, God is with us. And David looked at Goliath and he told Goliath that the battle is the Lord's. And God gave him victory in the face even of Goliath. The difficulties we face, the distorted criticisms that will come against you when you step out there and want to serve. Probably you want to serve in a particular area in the church. You want to serve in your community. You want to serve in a particular area, even at your workplace, in the city. And you suddenly realize that hmm, people start coming against you with all kinds of words. And when it doesn't succeed in ridiculing and mockery you, they try to threaten your life. And we just throw in the towel. It is enough. I wouldn't continue anymore. Destructive criticism can be contagious. You can always gather people around you to reinforce your views. But the challenge I have sometimes is that it's so difficult to have believers gathered to easily understand themselves, to fulfill God's mission, to carry forward the advance of the gospel. The enemy could easily gather people but when it comes to church, the body, believers, gathering, Christians, sometimes we struggle to do that. Sometimes we struggle to even agree and to even see to eye to eye among ourselves. And sad enough, you got to realize that Pilate and even Herod became friends when it came to Jesus going to the cross. They became friends. When it came to crucifying Jesus and putting him on the cross, they were enemies, but they became friends. Can God put us together for the mission of building in this city? 
Can God let us agree and see each other and be able to see there is a wall that God wants us to build even in this land? Ridicule, mockery isn't what God is calling us onto. So that was opposition from without. We look at opposition from within. This was people from within the Jewish community. And as I look at this, I said this is even more disastrous than the opposition from without. So not only does this enemy come from outside, he does also come from within, from among your own people. Verse 10 says that, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is that much rubble we cannot build. We can't continue to do this work on our own. Church, this is Judah and Nehemiah's own people. This is not Sambalat, Tobiah, Gashem anymore. This is Nehemiah's own people now saying we can't build because we've gotten somewhere. When the rubber hits the road, the realities begin to kick in. They say we can't do it anymore. And I feel like this is even more difficult. How did this come? This came in the form of discouragement. The builders got discouraged. They just couldn't continue to build. Probably you have been discouraged. And you, are, you just feel like you can't do it anymore. You don't have energy. You don't have any zeal. You don't have it to do anything for God. To build. Maybe you got discouraged in that marriage. And you feel like I'm walking out of this marriage. No more. I'm not standing in it anymore. You feel like giving up on life because you are discouraged. Let's listen to what Charles Swindoll said. Charles Swindoll gave a definition for discouragement. This is what he said. Charles Swindoll said that what a difficult disease to cure. This is how he defined discouragement. Thank you. It looks like the AC is not enough for Frank here. So Charles Swindoll says that discouragement is like a disease. He says, what a difficult disease to cure. He says, I don't know of anything that would take the wind out of your sails quite so quickly as discouragement. Rare is the person who can resist it. Rare. Rare is that person. But I pray that this morning, dear Lord, in sitting here, Lord, May faith arise in this place. Where there is discouragement, may God strengthen us again. Where we've put down our throwers, where we've put down our spears and don't want to work anymore, we don't want to build anymore because of discouragement. May God strengthen and lift us up once again. This is my prayer this morning. We look at Moses as an example. Look at us. See, he, he actually woke up and realized that this is an Egyptian, a fucking a Hebrew. And he fought even and killed this Egyptian to protect the Hebrew. The following day, when he saw these two fighting among themselves, he went in there to separate them and said, you guys are brothers, stop it. And they rose up against him. This is Moses' own people. They rose up against him and told him that, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me just as you killed the Egyptian? Moses fled for his life. He got scared and he ran away. Probably in your face you have been told that you want to take our life as you did it. And you are thinking of running away. It is my prayer that God by his spirit will let you stand. Do you know something? I believe God loves that man or woman when opposition intensifies. When the enemy throws the arrows and throws 
that flood against you. God loves that man or woman who will roll his sleeves. It looks like I don't have any. Roll it and will roll with the punches and said that I will build because of my God. God loves such a one. God loves such people. And this is what I believe God wants to do even through Neymar as we look at this work. Especially when it comes to times when those who are supposed to be bearing the burden with you, those who should be praying with you, those who should be encouraging you are the ones now even bringing the complaints destructive criticism are the ones who are now you feel like okay when those who should stand with you and say we have fought a good fight we have finished the race and now it's left for us that crown when those who should stand with you and say that this is the kingdom that God has called us we will fight to build it and let that kingdom of darkness go away. That is where the encouragement comes from. That I believe God is calling us back on to become the Barnabases of our time. The encouragers of our time who will build. The next thing we saw as a form of opposition that came from within was fear. Not only was it discouragement, fear in verses 12. Ten times the people of Judah came back to Nehemiah and said, no matter where we go, these people are going to follow us ten times. Ten times. They came back and kept complaining on the same thing. Ten times. Ten times on the same issue. You can get worn out. It is my prayer that we will come back ten times with encouragement. Ten times with the word to absorb. Ten times with creative ideas. Ten times in the face of opposition and said that I wouldn't stop. I would build. I would keep on building. Church, I want us to understand that fear paralyzes you. And in your building for God, fear, if you live with it, it can make you just get paralyzed. Fear and faith cannot live in the same temple. It cannot live in the same house of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear and faith cannot live within the same house. It doesn't matter how tough you are. If you live with fearful people, they will discourage you. They will discourage you from building. Quickly, we want to look at how Nehemiah responded in position. So earlier on, we've dealt with Nehemiah coming up and praying and inspecting the wall. What did he do when the opposition intensified and people started coming more and more against him? Nehemiah in verses 4 to 5 and then in verse 9, we see prayerful and he was still watching. He was still prayerful and still watching. Prayer is best taught on the knees. We cannot teach prayer just talking. It's best taught on the knees. And sometimes I do ask myself, Frank, what is your first point of call when opposition and discouragement starts to come? The danger is sometimes it is your phone. You want to call your friends. Can you see what they are doing to me again? Can you see what they are doing to me in this place? So sometimes our phone becomes our first point of call, not even prayer. Or is it probably for some of us, maybe some man of God. There is always a man before God. Do you remember to pray when opposition comes? In the face of that opposition, you can tell him, say to him, Lord, I've had enough of this. I can't take it anymore. 
Please fill me with your spirit, Lord. Please give me the wisdom I need here, Lord, in this work environment. I can't take it anymore. I feel like throwing in the tower, but I don't want to. I want to stand and build here as a Nehemiah here because you brought me here for a purpose. And I'm not giving up. Lord, can you fill me again with your spirit? Say like David in the face of the Goliath that the battle is the Lord's. And God gave him victory. God gave him victory. The whole book of Nehemiah, as we've seen it and we're going through, is full of prayer. He started with prayer from chapter 1 all the way. If you go through, he kept praying and praying. Four months from the Hebrew word, four months, this man kept praying. In Persia, before he started the work and lifted his finger to do anything, 700 miles, he was on his knees. And prayer changed him so much that when his boss saw his countenance, the boss said, something is wrong with you. When he appeared before Atazazas, angry, four months in mourning, four months of fasting, four months of weeping. I'm not sure he was fasting for four months, though. <laughs> but he was fasting here, and that's what the Bible says. Weeping and mourning and in grief. When he appeared before his boss, his boss said, something is wrong with you. Church, what changes you before your boss? Is it when the paycheck hasn't come? Oh, that is why we're here. That is what you're working for. Obviously, you should be worried when it doesn't come. But does something change you ask when it comes to the church or the body of Christ? Does something change you? When you appear before him, does something really change you? Four months, this man was weeping. It is my prayer that the church, we will be stirred up. Because you see, I realize you cannot do the book of Nehemiah and not be calling for a revival. No, it is a revival. It is a call to go back into prayer. It is a call to go back to rebuilding. It is a call to stand up and build God's kingdom. So you can't do it without praying. Probably in our small groups, we need to start building our prayer towers. And busy people who are praying don't have time to gossip, by the way. So this man was praying and he prayed before he lifted up his finger. I do believe that prayer is work. <laughs> and it is real work. It is the only work in preparation for doing God's work. I want to repeat that. Prayer is work. It is the only real work in preparation for doing God's work. This man prayed. In Acts 12, we know the story. We know that Herod has succeeded in killing James. And he arrested Peter and put Peter in prison. His plan was that after the Passover, he was going to bring Peter out. Peter would be tried. But the Bible says in Acts 12, that the church scattered across the city started praying. They prayed because Peter was in prison. And do you know what God did? God sent angels. The angel came and in that prison, God opened the prison doors. He broke the chains. Peter walked out of the prison as a free man. Church, when we pray, I believe that when the church prays, nothing can stop us. Amen. Nothing can stop us. When we're declaring who God is, that God, prayer is our dependence on you, nothing can stop us. We're doing a real work in this city. We're doing all that we can, City Hill. But let me challenge us. We need to reinforce putting the mortar of prayer. Our prayer funnels in the mornings on every Friday. Maybe some of us don't know about it. We do pray. We pray here as a church. 9.30, 9.45, we pray until around 
Have you heard of it before? Have you, have you probably thought of coming there to prayer? For me, when I go there and pray, I'm praying because my dependence is on God. Because, you know, except the Lord builds, we labor in vain. Are you trusting your own strength? Are you doing it in your own everything that you have in this city? Where is prayer? Are you praying? Prayer is best taught on any. This is what Corrie ten Boom said about prayer. He said that, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? <laughs> Do you only go to prayer when the car has broken down? When you can't move forward and you've broken down, that is where you look for prayer. Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Neymar also took practical action. What did he do? The people had a mind to work. In the middle of this work, <laughs> that is when the opposition came. It is so difficult, especially you are in the middle of the project. You are looking at the end and the end you are not getting. The resources are finished. Everything is finished. And the opposition comes. But in that middle of the work, which always seems to be the difficult part of it, they mixed prayer with an industrious mind. They didn't just pray and go to sleep. They were planning. They were thinking. They were strategizing. Do you pray and just go and sleep? We need to mix prayer with strategy, with thinking, with planning, and with an industrious mind. I want to run a bit faster. Then again, we look at depleted or failing strength. They said that these people were so busy building the walls of the city to protect the city, they forgot to build walls to protect their own hearts. Probably you are busy building your career, building your money, building your name, building your titles. There's nothing wrong. That's brilliant. There is nothing really wrong with that. But the question is that I want us to know very well that it is only a deep growing relationship with Jesus that gives true satisfaction. Not what you are doing without growing in him. This is very important. Has your strength failed? And very often, discouragement comes and you just feel like throwing it in because you are not growing in him anymore. Are you resting well? Are you sleeping well? Are you exercising? I know I'm a victim of that. I don't, know, I don't normally rest well. I'm always on the road. Right from here, I'll be on the road again. But we need to guard that because that is where... <laughs> Discouragement comes. He refocused on the vision. When the opposition came, he refocused the people back onto the vision. It's important. Because there was so much rubble around and people started talking against the work. But you need to keep your eyes on the wall. We need to build. We have something here we are building. Refocus on the vision. So Nehemiah looked up. He surveyed the rubble. But he didn't keep his eyes on the rubble. He brought the people back onto the vision. Look back on the work. Refocus on the vision. David, on coming back to the city of Ziklag, he realized that the entire city had been taken over. Wives and children had been captured. His own soldiers got so discouraged in Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, and they thought of stoning David. But the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. Nehemiah went further and he encouraged the people in the Lord. So all of a sudden, Something comes up that is hitting your life. Will you still continue to focus on the vision? The vision God has given to you and his church. Nehemiah reorganized the workers and God. He teamed them up into same common families, same neighborhoods around a common vision. 
around a common purpose, not individuals just doing their own thing. No. I believe the enemy succeeds to oppose and discourage us when we are not united as teams, as a church, locally and even globally. And sometimes, you know, I come from Africa where there is so much competition sometimes in church work. It becomes the best pastor, the biggest car, the biggest church, the biggest building, the biggest that. So much competition sometimes can easily eat in where we can lose focus on what God wants us to build. Sometimes it becomes who has the biggest aircraft. So sad, you know. That's where it's gotten to, the biggest aircraft. <laughs> it is not about competition, church. We are called to complete a mission here. So at City Hill, we've been called, we have a vision to be a Christ-centered, gospel-advancing and city-imparting church. Is this your vision? People, are we all going to rally around that vision in this city? Nehemiah also went into final into this work in the face of the opposition with a balanced approach to rebuilding. Now the workers didn't only hold trowels, but then they hold trowels, hold spears, hold weapons, and they were building. I, can't, I just asked myself, how is that possible? If you're a mason, can you build... Can you hold a brick and hold a trowel and hold a weapon at the same time? It doesn't work. It is not possible. If you've been involved in building before, my dad used to build, so I got familiar with building. and uh, it, it is not possible. But I believe that Nehemiah was saying something that there's a balance we need to have even as we go ahead for him. Church, we need to understand that the Christian life is a life of building and battling. It's a life of warriors and workers. A life of men who stand and they want to stand for Jesus against the kingdom of darkness. It's a balance. You build and you battle. You build and battle. But sad enough, sometimes we, re, we, we put all the, our energy on battling. And we forget that it is burden. What are you burdened? Souls are perishing. We need not waste time trivializing. Sitting small petty things. Battling over things that God hasn't called us for. God is calling us to move forward. Other-centered approach. He ordered even the inhabitants of the villages to lodge within Jerusalem. What was the purpose? One proximity near to the work. And that they might be able to ready to help the others when the enemy attacks. Let me leave you with this. Probably throughout the summer or as we look forward going into the next seasons. Will you consider what you are going to do? That will not be just engrossed in yourself, but will be for someone else. Will you consider what decisions you are going to take that is going to bless someone's life? Just consider that carefully. And I want to just finish and round it up. The question is, what are you? Are you a Sambalat, a Tobah, a Geshem, or you are a Neymar, a builder for God? Are you aware of the strategy of the enemy when opposition comes? Do you see the strategy of the builder? How he faced the enemy when the opposition intensified? Are you praying and are you watching? Do you have a mind to build for God? And mixing that with prayer. Charles Swindoll also said something when opposition intensified in his personal life. When he stood and wanted to build for God. He said opposition became so much. But his wife actually gave him a gift. And he said this gift was 
A blood that the wife made from a statement that a statesman gave about men who died fighting for their country. And I want us to read this. He said that this statement actually encouraged him so much. And as I read it, it so challenged me. And I felt like I want to share this statement with us sitting here as I bring my message to a close. And this is what he said. It is not the critic that counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of these could have done even better. He says the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. Who does actually try to do the deed? Who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, and spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly? Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy or suffer much because they live in that great twilight where they neither know victory nor defeat. I just want us to close our eyes this morning. The band will be coming up even to lead us even as we go before God. The question I'll be asking this morning is that are you a Neymar? Are you a builder? Are you burdened? Are you standing for him? Or you've gotten to this courage and you feel like you don't want to continue anymore? Will you ask God to fill you this hour even with his spirit? Will you ask him for wisdom? Probably you feel like giving up on life and you don't want to continue again. This morning we want to pray for each other. We want to pray for the body. I want us to just respond. Talk to God. Tell him, God, we will have a time where the band leaves us. I will just come forward, just tell the leaders, please just pray with me. I just can't take it anymore. I can't stand. I cannot move forward anymore. Maybe you feel like giving up. You don't want to continue again in that relationship. You don't want to continue it again even with what God has called you to do. You just, you just feel like I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe it's life itself. You've gotten fed up and you are like, it is enough. And maybe your position has been like a Sambalat or a Toba where you have just long been there and criticized and, and you've succeeded in opposing God's work to the extent where you believe God, no more. I want to surrender. I want you to transform me. I want your spirit to come over me. And I want to be a new man. Can you talk to him? Can you ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you now? We want to give this time as we respond and ask the Holy Spirit to work and work a great work even through us this afternoon. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.